Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Ashley Hawkins to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So Ashley, thanks for joining me today. And just go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Um, Yeah, I am Ashley Hawkins. I am a campus librarian in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I serve actually three schools on a campus in East Flatbush. uh, And it's a nine through 12 school, um, or schools, I should say. <laughs> and yeah, um, before I was a school librarian, um, I was actually an English teacher for about 10 years. And but now I've been a librarian for this is my fourth year as a librarian. Um, and then yeah, it's just been a really fun and exciting time in yeah. my career making this shift. Yeah. And I am mostly known to the majority of people on the internet as the manga librarian. All right. So we will definitely get into that in just a little bit. But so describe what does that mean that you're the librarian at three schools? Like, do you travel around or, or what? Describe that meaning. <laughs> so this is something that is pretty unique to New York City. Okay. Um, New York City has campuses for their high schools. Um, Several years ago, Mayor Bloomberg broke up the big high schools into smaller schools that are located on the same campus. Oh, okay. So so I am a campus librarian. There's actually a network of us. So in New York City, we have a campus librarian network, and there are multiples of us who serve multiple schools on one in one building. Okay. I'm actually one of the ones with a smaller number of schools. So I serve three schools and I know some people who have seven or eight schools in their building. And are they totally separate buildings or, or it's just like, like clusters of people. Is that kind of like what it means or. Yeah. And at my school, they're on different floors. So the first floor is it takes a village academy. Second floor is Kurt Hahn Expeditionary Learning School. And third floor is Cultural Academy of Arts and Sciences. So they're each on a different floor. Okay. 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 Are they kind of like career paths, maybe that kind of thing or? Sometimes it Sometimes, really, okay. yeah, it varies on the vision of the school. It's uh, it's very loose and free, but each school kind of has their own vision, their own culture, um, which can make it interesting as the librarian because you're building this collection that's for three different schools, and they all have their different, like I said, their different cultures and yeah. their different. So like the Cultural Academy that's on the third floor, they have a culinary program. So I have to make sure that I have a lot of culinary base. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So So. you literally just have one library, but the the school, okay, okay. That's a very interesting concept. I would love to to visit that sometime, you know, and see that in action. So very, very interesting. Okay. So we've had a few people from New York um, who've told us about becoming a school librarian, but is there anything like in general, um, about the process of becoming a school librarian in New York? I mean, it is, 
it was an interesting path for me because I came from being a teacher and also I got my regular um, MSLIS before I became a a school librarian. Um, I came from Florida, so I got my certification in ELA when I came up here. And then I just got, because the program for uh, school librarians at Pratt Institute shut down, I wound up being in the track to just be a regular librarian. And they told me, oh, don't worry, you're already a teacher. It'll all take care of itself. And it didn't. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) So I had to actually go back to Syracuse and get a certificate of of advanced study. But I had taken my tests and it it was a very kind of complicated way of doing it, Mm -hmm. of taking, I I had taken my tests. um, I was the teacher of library before I was the certified school librarian I was supposed to have a supplementary certificate things got very messy and it was because I came in this very kind of backwards way you were determined I'm thinking about (laughs) there's a new little um biography set on it's for young readers but it's she persisted and you would fit right in there (laughs) you you persisted so so kudos to you for hanging in there and, and I know that the schools are better off, you know, for having you there. And so, so are we, so we can learn all this from you. So you haven't been in the library too, too many years. And even thinking back, if you said four years, so you had two kind of regular years and then the pandemic, came. <laughs> so, you know, what, what do you remember about those earliest years? What were, what were they like for you? So my first year, I actually wasn't in my library. I was in a classroom because my library was under renovation because oh. it had been closed for 10 years. Okay. So, so I was a librarian on a cart um, uh-huh. and I spent most of that year just applying for grants like crazy. I mean, it was very lucky that I had been a teacher beforehand Mm -hmm. because I think if I'd been just completely fresh to the education profession, um, I would have been really unprepared for everything. So I was able to like push in and do lessons and I was able to sort of figure things out because Mm -hmm. I knew what schools needed. Right. And I had done some grant writing before as a teacher. And so, yeah, I just went kind of crazy writing all sorts of grants because I had zero books. Mm. Um, I had no physical space at the time. I knew I was going to have a beautiful physical space, but it was just not yet. (laughs) Yeah. The renovation was taking slower than usual because that's how it goes. Um, And so it was a very... It was a very interesting first year. And then the second year, we open up our beautiful space. Everything's going really great. Um, The kids are getting really into having a library. For many of them, it's the first time they've ever had a school library. Um, We we have a shortage of libraries in New York City, particularly in neighborhoods that are not affluent white Manhattan neighborhoods. Um, So it's a serious equity issue in New York State and New York City. And, you know, for the first time, they had a library and they were getting used to it and book circulations were going like crazy. And then it just all kind of got cut off at the knees and I had to like (laughs) scramble. Yeah. 
but at least you already knew the cart. <laughs> you know, well, y'all might have shut down at that point, but you know, even when you're coming back in, you knew how to go on a cart. You know, a lot of people were adjusting to what did that mean to be a librarian on wheels and you know, pushing in and out of places. But oh goodness, wow, you had a crazy, crazy beginning. So, so is there anything? in hindsight that would have been awesome for you to know that might, it might've helped you a little bit or? Um, there are probably a lot of things that would have been good to know. I would have told myself to make sure I had my website be more than just a landing page in the uh -huh. beginning. Yeah. Um, because I was so fixated on getting my physical space up and running that when it came time to switch to a digital space, um, even though I have like a lot, I have like IT knowledge and all these things, it was a big scramble to get it all up and running. Yeah. And if I'd had a more robust website and yeah. more things like that, it would have made my life a little easier. And I think that kind of holds true even now. So, you know, people, most people really got their library websites in order, you know, during this time. I hope they maintain them, you know, and they keep them up to date um, because, I mean, anything could happen. But our people have also come to rely, you know, on that digital presence. So I think that's going to be one of, the, one of those things to keep and carry forward, you know, as, as we're doing this. So very good. All right. So we are now well into the fall. Um and I assume y'all are back face-to-face -face at this point. Yeah. So what did you do this year, you know, to kind of help make this be a great year? So just kind of going straight forward, getting in there with kids. And it's actually been really great. Um, students have been coming to the library once again. The good thing is I ran a lot of programming, particularly last year, because we were completely remote last year. Okay. Um, I, I was working remotely and our school was only effectively open for a month because we had so many things happen. Yeah. So we were completely remote and then coming back together, it's actually been just really great to have things like, um, I brought, we did Dungeons and Dragons uh, last year remotely, yeah. but now it's in person. And I think it's been really wonderful for the students to finally have just a lot of socialization opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, and just having the library as a space in the school where they can just relax, be themselves. Mm -hmm and making sure that I've got a lot of activities for them to do, a lot of makerspace things. Um, beading is very popular. So a lot of just having things for the students to do and create and just express themselves has been really great for this year. Awesome. I love that, that you really, because you did all that during the pandemic with building relationships and stuff, they're now coming to your area and they're able to, to just chill. <laughs> you know, relax them and, but do things, you know, that, that they like, you know, that are appealing to them. So when you're, when you're thinking back to the pandemic, you know, what, what would you kind of describe as like your takeaways from this time? Um, I definitely was able to build stronger relationships with the teachers okay. than I had been able to beforehand because I had really focused on building the relationships with the students. And this 
really let me build strong relationships with the teachers and actually attend professional developments, which I'd never been able to do before because I'd always been in the library with students when they were doing that. So I was actually able to be there and be like, oh, we have this resource. We have that resource. And so I now have a much better way of communicate, like that digital realm gives me a better communication with the teachers and just having that digital footprint. I think that's been the biggest change for me professionally. Okay. That's awesome. And Ashley, do you work on your own or do you have any paraprofessional help or? I am completely alone. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I was trying to think about, you know, cause, and so many are in the same shoes as you, you know, they, they can't leave to go to, to like a grade level meeting or a department level meeting, or I don't know what you call your, your school, you know, level meetings or whatever. So that's, yeah, that's been a challenge for many people, but that's awesome that you were able, able to do that. Okay. So let's get into the, the main thing that you are so passionate about. Um, so first, um, realizing that some of my audience are, are pretty new in their career. First, let's define what is manga. So what is manga? Manga is just Japanese comics. Uh, manga is actually the Japanese word for comics. Um, that's the simplest way of putting it. Um, but if you want to get a little bit more in depth into what is manga, manga is um, graphic content that is typically printed in a reverse format um, with black and white um, images, primarily. Sometimes there are color, but for the most part, it's black and white. Um, and very expressive characters. And for the most part, it, re- it originates in Japan, but there is some manga that comes from other places mm. and is created by others who have been influenced by the art style. But it does originate in Japan and mm. those people are influenced by creators in Japan and are you know, participating in that art style. Yeah. And it is... Um, very, very popular with our young people right now. Yeah. So how, how do you think that that became such a big thing in America and probably the world? But like, what, what was the, could you say like, a, I don't know if tipping point is the right thing, but, but what helped kind of introduce that to our, our kids here? So it's been kind of a slow boil as to why manga has become so popular here in the United States. Um, it kind of starts in the 80s um, and it can go even further back. Manga has been around for a long time, but the American popularity of manga really can be attributed mostly to two publishing companies and that's Viz and Tokyopop. Um, They're probably the two biggest publishers that really made pushes. Um, Tokyopop um, in its early days when it was uh, mixed when it was mix, um, they actually were the ones who brought over Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big part of why manga is so popular is also the popularity of anime and Japanese animation being brought over here and being so popular with our young people. Yeah. Um, and so when they brought over Sailor Moon in manga format, that was a huge thing for popularizing the media. And then 
it just sort of took off from there. Um, Tokyo Pop sort of led the first big rise of manga in the early 2000s. They then ran into some trouble. Um, and then Viz sort of picked up where they left off when their company kind of imploded. Um, and Viz is actually the, most people don't know this, Viz is the biggest publisher of graphic novels in the United States. They actually hold 23% of the market share wow. for graphic novels. They publish more graphic content than anybody. They okay. publish more than DC and Marvel. Okay. All right. So what, how did you get into it? You know, I'm thinking of you as an ELA language arts teacher, and there's so many teachers out there that are like, oh, you know, they're not going to have anything to do with it. What, what was it that drew you into it? Well, I got into it when I was about 12 or 13. Yeah, um, so I got into it as a kid. Yeah. Um, and it's always been, and even before then, I was into things like Sailor Moon, and I was into um, I was into anime and animation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had kind of a passion for animation as a young as a kid, and I also really liked comics. And then manga started to be more popularly, you know, was being pushed at the, about that point. Yeah, I. I really loved the stories. I really loved the art style. Everything about it really spoke to me. Um, And then also there's the whole community aspect, which I think is one of the reasons why it really has blown up with young adults because for teenagers, um, that community is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And those connections are super important. So I got really into it. Um, I used to do things like pass around VHS tapes with my friends of anime that was translated and the translations were terrible and the quality was horrible, but you would do anything to like get your hands on some of this. Um, Kids don't know nowadays, like how, like the fact that they've got manga in their school library, they have no idea how easy they've got it. Um, But I just got into it because I loved it and I continued that love. It was something that I was very into and it's something that I've always defended even when I was an ELA teacher. I was the ELA teacher with graphics in my room. The kids loved you. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, my test scores were always good when I was an ELA teacher. I, I never had a problem with uh, independent reading or anything because And that's actually what drove me to be a librarian was because I, my love was for connecting students with things they love to read. And I was tired of dealing with um, all the stuff that was connected with being an ELA teacher. I just wanted to connect students with things they loved. I wanted to help them pursue their passions. And the library is more of a space for doing that. Mm-hmm. And that included things like manga and anime. It's yeah. like there was more space for me to help young people express themselves. Yeah. So I don't know if you personally have come into any contact with teachers, you know, who are, I'm gonna say not supportive, you know, of, of using this. But if, just in general, like if you could give some advice to like a young librarian who doesn't know a lot about it, but um, they know they need to have it, but they're getting pushback at school, what would you say to them about manga? 
Well, first off, research shows that the you can say that the research shows that literacy skills when reading graphic formats are just as strong, if not stronger, because you're building visual literacy as well as um, textual literacy. Um, but also just what other readers do you have that will read 50 volumes in two weeks? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you start to produce those numbers and start to show that to like when I showed those numbers to my administrators like we have students that are reading like they read so much in such a high volume and that's what manga readers do we read a lot because you know first off it goes pretty quick yeah um and you just you want to absorb this whole story and some of these stories are up to a ton of volumes, like one piece is at 1000 chapters. I'm not sure what volume, <laughs> but that's how much they have read of this story. They've read a thousand chapters of something. Mm -hmm. And inevitably when you read that much, it just has something and we can't discourage lifelong reading. And there is an artistry, there is benefits to it and also the library is a place where we can allow students to find things that they just plain enjoy yeah it doesn't even have to be for we can give there are tons of academic reasons there's all the research um there's the benefits to different students um students with dyslexia students with adhd students with autism um and there have been tons of studies and you can print all those off for the teachers if that's what's going to get them on board. But at the end of the day, our job is to create lifelong readers and manga readers are like lifelong readers. They will read forever mm -hmm. and they will be incredibly invested in the conversations you will have with them about character development, plot, um, theming. They will give you such in-depth um analysis because it is really what they think about hmm. good points very good and then I, i've also heard some librarians who are not real keen on them because a lot of them are only in paperback you know and, and that just kind of turns them off because they're like i'm not going to spend my money on something that's going to fall apart i mean have you ever talked to anybody about that <laughs> i mean they'll fall apart yeah. just buy it again yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, we have to replace books anyway, because books go missing. Things happen to books all the time. Right. Um, and they're not that expensive um, because they're paperback. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, they go missing. They vanish. They get beat up. Um, I've had them fall apart. And when they fall apart, I just take it and we make buttons out of them. We turn it into okay. a makeup. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to kind of, you know, loss of books is an inevitability in a library. So we just have to live with it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's ways to prolong the life of a paperback. You can wrap them. Um, I don't, in Capco covers and things like that, if you really want to try. Um, to me, it's just like, it's the life cycle of the book. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. And it, a lot of times you'll see that too, you know, with 
I'm going to say trendy titles, you know, not just manga, but, you know, things will just come out real quickly in this paperback that you can get. And don't be afraid, you know, to, to buy something just because that's, you know, the only way it comes. But anyway, okay, so let's talk a little bit about how, how do you, what do you do with manga in your library? Or do you do any special programming or special events of some sort? Or So we have an anime club, okay. um, which is the easy the easy thing. But I am also doing with our GSA a book club where we're about to read two manga together. Um, the first one is Boys Run the Riot, which is about a trans boy who starts a fashion line with a friend at school oh. and is all about him finding his identity through starting this fashion line and um, really solidifying who he is. Um, it's a really wonderful manga. Um, and it's written by a trans mangaka. Um, and it, I've already had like really wonderful responses from trans students who've read it, um, who feel very seen and very validated by it. Um, and then we're also going to read a manga called I Think Our Son Is Gay. Um, which is written by a gay mangaka, and it's all about a mother who realizes that her son is most likely gay, and um, he has not come out yet, and she's trying to create a welcoming environment so that when he does eventually come out, it will be comfortable. And it's actually a comedic sort of look at, you know, what it means to have that emerging sexuality. Okay. And it's it's just a really lovely nice manga and it does kind of deal with certain topics but not in an aggressive way or in a way that can be super traumatic for students it mm -hmm. can it's much lighter and it's much it, it's nice to have a parent in an lgbtq plus title that is um supportive and you know that's not the conflict the conflict isn't that the parent isn't going to approve. The conflict is kind of in the character's own um, insecurities about moving forward and yeah. kind of creating that environment. It's, it's a really lovely, lovely story. So we're going to be taking that. And I think that's one thing that I really want people to know is that not all manga is what you typically what you think manga is. It's not just, um, you know, it's not just Shonen Jump titles, although Shonen Jump titles also have, for the most part, a lot of really great lessons and things in them mm -hmm. about friendship and honor and um, so many other things. But there are other titles that really deal with um, things that our young people go through. And it can really be a great way to have conversations with yeah. them. Okay. Okay. And so you're, you're talking about um, issues that, you know, with, with students of your grade level, but I'm thinking, what about, how, how do you, what do you recommend to people to help them figure out which manga is, the, is best for their grade levels? So I've made some videos about this because I do know it's harder for the younger grades yeah. because when you're at high school level, 
Um, particularly at my high school, I have a lot of freedom. Um, I, I basically buy whatever I want um, within reason, obviously. Um, I know my audience. I know exactly what I can give them and I know what's appropriate for them. But for if you're not somebody, first off, that reads this a lot, um, it's just like young adult literature. If you don't really read a lot of YA, you may not know the difference between a book by Sarah J. Moss and a book by, you know, somebody else who writes something maybe a little bit more sweet and innocent, uh, mm. Meg Cabot. So, yes. you know, th these are two very different pieces of content. So if you're not as fluent in that, you may not know that, you know, one of those is appropriate for putting in a middle school and one of those is not appropriate yeah. for putting in middle school. So it's kind of the same thing with manga. You, first off, really, it's really important to, if you're not reading actively, look to reviews. Mm -hmm. um, there's really great, um, Sarah Smith has a website called the Graphic Library. She does volume by volume reviews, okay. which is something that I don't actually do. I don't do volume by volume reviews. I try to offer more um, cultural context and background knowledge about anime and manga culture and Japan and things like that. Um, and then I offer some more wide uh, advice on collection development. So she's really great if you just want to know, a student just asked me if this is okay, if I can add this to my library, I don't know what it is. Go see if she's done a review on it. She probably has. She's done tons of reviews. Or if she hasn't, No Flying, No Tights probably has. There's actually resources out there. And you can check um, School Library Journal. They actually do quite a bit of manga reviewing now. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't find that, there are actually reviews for manga that are more general. That'll probably give you an idea of what's in the manga. And I offer a list of those on my website of like places that I go to check reviews, Perfect. even if it's just to check reviews to see if it's good or not. Yeah. So checking reviews, a lot of the same things you do for books that maybe you don't have time to read. Mm -hmm. Good point. And doing research. Okay. And we will share your website, Ashley, um, on the show notes. So the listeners, if you'll get into the show notes, uh, you'll, you'll see like the highlights of our talk today, but we'll also put any links that um, Ashley is referring to. We'll, we'll seek those <laughs> out and get those listed there for you to help you out. And so do you have any other tips um, just for our, our listeners of maybe easy things to get started with or what are they, you know, I don't know, just anything that you think is like really important for, for the librarians to know if they're starting to think about expanding their manga or even adding it for the first time? If you're starting for the first time, start small okay. and start with things that you know are going to be automatic hits. Okay. Maybe start with only the first three volumes. Um, start with things like Naruto, um, Demon Slayer, something shown in Jump. Um, that'll first off you'll see the reaction from the students. They'll get very excited that you have it. Mm -hmm. um, if you're at the elementary, it would be more like add Pokemon, cheese, sweet home, um, uh, Yuzu the pet vet. Those are like my go-tos for elementary. Okay. Um, those are very innocent, very nice, very well done. 
Um, Pokemon is super safe. Also going to be, it's going to be gone in like two seconds. Um, they'll, they'll pile it on top of Dogman. Um, and middle school, um, things like Witch Hat Atelier, um, let me think. Um, you could also have Yuzu the Pet Vet and Cheese Sweet Home and Pokemon there and they'll do just as well. Yokai Watch. Um, you can probably go for things that are like based on cartoons. Go, go for things that feel very familiar to you. And then you can start to, as you get more familiar and your patrons get more familiar, then you can kind of build out. Mm -hmm. And you'll just automatically start to know more because they're going to have conversations with you about what they're reading and what they want when they see that you offer it. Yeah. Good point. But don't overwhelm yourself. It's the same as adding anything to your library. Like, you know, if you add a 3D printer or you add a, a cricket machine or you add whatever, you don't want to overwhelm yourself. Start small mm -hmm. and then build it out as you start to learn how to use it more. And yeah, don't just go buy all the manga all the time because you won't know what you have. You'll feel very overwhelmed. You'll probably make some big mistake and order something that's really inappropriate and then get too much money on it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the other thing. Or you could make a mistake. I, I know someone who ac tried ordering Naruto and um, accidentally ordered it all in Japanese. Oh, no. <laughs> So be very mindful. Don't don't order in a rush. Like, yeah, yeah I'm going to go do it. And then yeah. order in the wrong language when yes. nobody in your school speaks it. So just start small, start simple. Okay. Good tips there. Appreciate that. All right. So Ashley, as we're starting to kind of close up um, on this time, uh, you could talk about manga or just even as yourself as a professional librarian, but what do you do to keep learning and growing professionally? Um, I stay very active on Twitter. I see what everybody else is kind of writing I, and doing and participating in. Um, I, I listen to podcasts like this one and um, School Librarians United and I just kind of do those sort of things. Um, I also participate in my professional organization. So I'm a member of ALA, ASL. I'm also in our in New York City. We have NIXLA, which is New York City School Librarians Association. I am actually the secretary. So I, I keep very active with those type of groups because the more I'm talking with other librarians, um, the better I am at my job. Sure. Right. Because it's so easy for us to get siloed, particularly for someone like me who has nobody in the room with me for most of the time. I just have a camera that the security checks to make sure nothing crazy is going on. Oh, wow. and, and it's just, it's just me. So having conversations with other librarians about what's going on in their world, what they're doing, what's working with their students, mm -hmm. seeing it on social media, seeing it in various blog posts, it's really helpful and wonderful for me. So that's how I, that's how I keep sharp. That's awesome. So for our listeners who want to learn from you, you know, stay connected and get ideas from you, where, where will they find you online? So on Twitter, I am at manga underscore librarian. 
Um, on Facebook, you can find me at Manga Librarian. I have a page for my stuff. Uh, it's not super active. It's really just when I post yeah. a blog post, it automatically pushes there. Um, Instagram is the Manga Librarian. And then my website is mangalibrarian.com. And then I also have a YouTube channel if you search for Manga Librarian. But yeah, I, I, I really cornered Manga Librarian. <laughs> That's good that you grabbed that. So I'm just for our listeners, with your blog, like how often do you post there? Is that So it's mm, semi-regular. Um, it was more regular last year. Um, it's since school has started. Uh, I, I actually have a video going up today. So it's probably every, it's probably once or twice a month okay. now. Okay. But I do talk a lot on Twitter okay. about topics. And I also am a Knowledge Quest blogger. Yes. So that is monthly where I post about topics on a monthly okay. basis. Okay. And we'll, we'll get that link added in there too um, for the Knowledge Quest. Um, well, that is awesome. And it just kind of helps for people to know how often they need to check back to your blog, you know, or YouTube. So if they go in monthly, pretty much that would be a good one to they can check in then for your new stuff. But Ashley, thanks so much for sharing today. This is some good practical background information on the manga and what they might do with it in their library and, and just kind of helping them build their confidence, you know, and what they know about that so that, you know, they can start growing. So I appreciate your time today. And just really look, I look forward to, to following your blog myself, you know, and going and looking at your YouTube channel. So thanks for doing that for the rest of the world so we can learn along with you. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.